All right, you can uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans 12. That's where we're going to be looking at tonight as we continue our, our series on what the Bible says about the questions that you have submitted. Um, and this actually is going to be the last uh, sermon in this series for the next three weeks, I think, because we've got uh, we have a missionary next week, and then we have missions conference the following week, and then we have another missionary the week after that. So I mean, I'm saving the hardest question that you submitted for that three-week period where I can study for it and prepare for it. So uh, maybe I'll see if I do that or not. But tonight, it's a little bit of an easier, uh, not easier, but simpler question perhaps, and uh, it's about the topic of friendship. Uh, most specifically, the question that was submitted was this. How can I make friends in the church? How can I make friends in the church? You know, it's a sad reality that uh, someone can come to church week in and week out, be around a lot of people, sing songs alongside of other Christians, and yet feel as if they don't have any friends in the church. That's a sad thing, but it's a reality. It happens. How do we, how do we make friends in the church? And I want to look at a passage tonight that points us Not just to seven easy steps on making good friends, but seven steps that point toward our mission as being part of a church, because therein lies the key. We don't come to church in order to make friends. We come to church to unite around the gospel and join in the mission of the church for the glory of God. And as we do that, fellowship takes place. And so that's what I want to focus on tonight, that, that, that if, we, if we come to church each time simply for the goal of making friends, then it, what will most likely happen is you will establish, what, uh, friendships you do establish will be established on the wrong foundation. It'll be based off of a common interest or a common background, and those aren't necessarily bad things. Those are wonderful things when you find someone with some common experience as you, but those aren't the, 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 the most lasting, most deep friendships that you can, that you can gain. And so we want to look at Romans 12 because Romans 12 talks about how we should be interacting with each other as a church. And in that, I believe, point us toward genuine Christian friendship that glorifies God. We're going to be looking at Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. In fact, this is a previous memory passage that we learned together um, as a church. Romans 12, 9 through 18 says this, let love be genuine, abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, with, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I believe in this passage we do see seven truths, at least seven truths. We could probably pull out more from this passage that point toward mindsets, ways to approach relationships in the church that actually do lead to good friendships. I think part of the problem is that we feel as if we we don't have solid friendships in part because we're just wishing 
that someone should, would approach us. And that should happen. That should happen in the church. But it's actually encouraging reality to see that because I'm already part of the church, I can move forward and I can, be, I, can, I can pursue what I'm called to be as a Christian in the church. And it's in that process that actually solid friendships form. So as we go through this passage, I'm just going to highlight some truths that we see uh, that point toward how to make friends in the church. Number one, if you look in, the, in, in verse 9 there, it talks about let love be genuine. And then for a few phrases later, love one another with a brotherly affection. I love that phrase, brotherly affection, because it points to a very foundational reality, is that you need to see church as family. See church as family. When you enter these doors, do you see the people around you as family or as a mixed group made up of friends, acquaintances, or strangers? Now, it may be the case that it's a mixed group of friends, acquaintances, and strangers, but is that your primary lens through which you're viewing them? Or do you view them as family in Christ? This is a love for others that comes from a genuine place. Let love be genuine. This is a real connection. Love one another with a brotherly affection, a brotherly love. That we are called to interact with each other from the motivation, from the reality that we share something in Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians, 6, or Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, where Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In these passages, it begins with how we should interact with each other, but then the, the second half of that passage highlights why we should interact with each other in that way, and it's because of the fact that we are all brought into one body, one family, with one Father, and that's the truth that actually pushes you to interact with others in the church with humility, gentleness, patience, and love. In fact, even putting up with one another. It says they're bearing with one another in love. You know, that's part of your responsibility as a Christian in church, not just to love, not just to forgive, but sometimes put up with each other. <laughs> we are a family. And that fact alone should be sufficient to answer the question, why should I reach out to that person? Because they're family. Why should I reach out to that, that weird person who sits on the other side of the auditorium? Because they are family. That is your brother. That is your sister. They're not a stranger. They're not just a, a, a distant acquaintance. You are united with the strongest bond that is possible, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you're struggling to form good friendships in the church, I'd say start off by viewing church as family and function that way in the church. You know, you, maybe there's someone in here that you don't know and, and you hesitate to introduce yourself. If it's a perfect stranger, that makes sense. But if it's a family member, there's a little less hesitation, isn't there? Because you already have a common bond. It gives you the ground to actually go and reach out. So number one, start viewing church as family. Number two, make it your mission 
to honor others. Verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor. The Greek, in the Greek, is basically saying in honor, surpassing one another. Surpass each other in showing honor. And I love the competition imagery that he uses here. That it means that you showing honor to other believers in the church actually does not depend on them showing honor to you. I mean, if they don't show honor to you, it's really easy to outdo them, right? So it's, you know, I win that one. That, one's, that one was simple. No, but it's, it's the idea that it doesn't depend on you. It's not, well, that person hasn't shown honor to me. They haven't acknowledged me. They haven't reached out to me. And again, that's a shame. But as a family in the body of Christ, what are we called to do? Surpass each other in showing honor. Be the first one to move. Yet this is often the very reason why we don't show honor to others. Because... They haven't shown honor to us. Perhaps there's someone in the church where you just feel invisible to them. Or they already have a friend group and they don't really seem interested in reaching out. And again, that's a shame. That's a shame when that happens. But that does not stop you from fulfilling your mission in the church. And you can even show honor to them. Yes, it's discouraging. And my prayer is that no one in this church has that testimony. But because you're family and because you're united in Christ, you can outdo them in showing honor. You can, you can surpass, as you can pursue showing honor, lifting them up in any way that you can. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Show honor to others in the church. Now, I want to make one clarification. Don't mistake flattery for honor. Charles Spurgeon once said, flattery and friendship never go together. What would be the difference between flattery and honor? Proverbs 29.5 says, As a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. What would be the difference between flattery and honor? Well, you could put it this way, that flattery compliments others with ulterior motives. Right? Oh, you're so good at this. Oh, man, you're awesome at this. I've always really admired how you just you know, get involved in this way. And, and, and you're doing that to butter them up to get on their good side for your own ulterior purposes. That's flattery. That's not honor. Honor is showing genuine respect and love for someone else. There's an anonymous quote that I came across that I think sums it up nicely, that the best way to form a friendship is to become interested in other people, not by trying to interest people in you. And yet... We, we try to, to gain friendships by trying to get other people interested in us. How can you show honor to others in your interaction at church? How can you outdo one another in showing honor? Here's just some practical suggestions. Number one, ask people questions about them. Instead of waiting for them to ask a question about you. That's showing honor. That's showing an interest in who they are as a fellow believer in Christ. You're seeking to uplift them. Find out about their interests. Talk about them. If someone has a faithful service in the church, recognize that, praise that, and genuinely mean it. Honor each other. Lift each other up. Not just to make friends. Again, if that's why you're doing it, that would be flattery. That's not honor. Honor each other. Outdo one another in showing honor. Number three, Serve alongside others in the church. 
Verse 11 says, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know what some of the, where the deepest friendships are formed? In the context of mutual service. It's hard to form friendships when you only see each other when you walk in the building for the morning service and leave immediately after. If that's the extent of your interaction in church, then it's no mystery why you're finding it hard to make friends. The church in its entirety is a place of service. It's where we, it's where we use our gifts for the growth of the body. And there's opportunity to serve with other believers and it provides opportunity to lay a good foundation for solid relationships. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we, we took our teens up north to Ohio for a ministry trip. And the focus was on service. The focus was on, was, was on uniting around a common goal, a shared mission, and, and, and functioning and serving in a way that, that, that benefits this church up there and the kids we were ministering to. But you know what one of the byproducts of that trip was? The teens got to know each other really well. The teens got to see each other serve. And that, that forms such a deeper, more, more lasting connection than anything else. So don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. And you just might find friendships along the way. Look for ways to be involved in the church. Look for ways to be serving alongside other believers. Number four, Seek to meet the needs of others. Verse 13 says this, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Are you looking for ways to meet the physical needs of others in the church? Are you, are you seeking to, to contribute to the needs of the saints? It says, look for ways to show hospitality to others. And Paul doesn't just say show hospitality. He says, seek to show hospitality. Are you searching out ways to to show hospitality to your fellow brothers and sisters in the church? And I know that for some of you, you may not feel like you're in a position to meet the needs of others or show hospitality. And I want to encourage you with a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 8 through 12, Paul says this, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire it. He's talking about giving of their, of their resources to others. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. See what he's saying there? Is the readiness there? Is the readiness to meet the needs and serve and show hospitality, is that present in your life? And if so, that's acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Sometimes it can be really discouraging because you think, well, I just don't have the house. I just don't have the money. I don't have the extra food. I don't have all of these, this extra time to spend. I don't have the health. You are not held accountable for what you don't have. You're held accountable for what you do. And in what small way... 
Are you seeking to meet the needs of others? Do you have a readiness? The widow's mites was more than the riches of the wealthy. If you only have a little, then meet little needs. If you have a lot, meet big needs. Seek to show hospitality. Seek to meet the needs of others. And what does this do? It it takes our focus off of ourselves. It takes the focus even off the fact that that I'm struggling to make friends. I I don't have those solid relationships that I feel like I need. Well, focus and seek to meet the needs of others. Before you seek friendship, seek to serve. And again, friendship just might come along the way. As we continue reading in these verses, verse 15 talks about practicing Christian sympathy. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. So since we're all vitally connected to one another and are part of the same family, as we've talked about earlier, do you see successes of someone in the church as family successes? Do you see suffering as becoming a family trial? Or is the success of others in the church met with jealousy and envy in your heart? Or do you rejoice that that member of your family is being blessed? Do you rejoice with those who rejoice? On the other side, when someone suffers, do you treat it like a trial in the family? You say, well, I barely know them. Maybe not, but you're still in the same family. Do you limit this sympathy, this Christian sympathy, only to your closest friends within the church? Or are you viewing all of the church Every member of your family in this way. Now again, we're limited. We're weak people. We can't meet the needs or know of every area of suffering and every area of success in every other member's life. And I'm not saying that you need to make sure that you hit that mark, otherwise you're somehow not being a good member of the church. But when something does come your way, when you do find out about a success or a a trial that someone else is going through, how do you view that? Is it, well, I'm glad it's not me. Or, I wish I had that. Or do you view it as a a family success or or a family trial? Seek to practice Christian sympathy. Number six, beware of prideful favoritism. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. We're called to live in harmony with one another. And how is this achieved? It's achieved in part by avoiding prideful favoritism. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. One of the greatest tragedies in church life is someone feeling alone in the church. That's a tragedy. As one writer put it, an alone person in our gatherings is an emergency. This is important for all of us to remember. When you enter our building on a Sunday or a Wednesday, are you looking for someone to show love to? Or are you seeking out the people who already love you? There's my crowd. There's my group. There's the people who love me. I'm going to go straight to them. And you bypass, on the way, people who need to be loved. What if instead of thinking, boy, I hope someone talks to that person sitting by themselves, you go over and talk to them. 
Instead of someone watching on a Sunday morning walk around the entire auditorium, the lap of shame, right, looking for a seat, and, and, and just watching them and saying, oh, man, I hope they find a seat, and there's a seat right next to you, right? Scooch over and invite them to sit down with you. Instead of just talking to the same group of people you always talk to, what if you found someone you haven't met before and introduce yourself, including that person who's been coming to the church for years and you've never asked for their name? That gets really awkward, doesn't it? Like, I've, it, I've reached the point where if I ask them, it's going to be awkward because I've seen them every Sunday for years. And I know they've been here longer than me. I have no clue who they are. And I know they've seen me. So if I go up and say, what's your name? They're going to be offended by that. Well, what's the alternative? Just ignore them for the rest of your life? The strategy I always tried to incorporate was, you know, you you try to hang by and just hope that someone else in the circle says their name. And then you're like, hey, so-and-so, it's good to see you. No, don't do that. Just, Just fess up. Just ask for their name. Hey, I've seen you for a long time. I've never bothered asking your name. Tell me about yourself. In fact, in my previous church, we were, my wife and I were sitting uh, behind someone that we hadn't, hadn't seen before. It was a larger church, you know, so you had your piano-side Christians and you had your organ-side Christians. <laughs> then you had your balcony Christians, right? And, and the, the three groups just never really saw each other. And, uh, and so we saw this person who was sitting in front of us, and, and we, we greeted them and said, are you, are you a visitor here today? And they said, I've been coming here for 25 years. I'm like, <laughs> well... At least we know, right? We won't make that as a mistake again. Beware of prideful favoritism. Are there people that you avoid in the church? Do you bypass certain individuals in the church? Does someone walk in and you think, hmm, not my type of friend? Right? And then you go and find your, your, your crew that, uh, that you know and that you already, you already know each other well. Do you know why it's hard for people to make friends in church? Because too many people aren't looking to make new friends. They're comfortable with the group that they have and the routine that they, that they have. And if you're someone who feels alone, I'm going to give you a challenge, okay? If you're sitting here and you're like, man, I just feel alone. And again, that's a tragedy. I have a challenge for you, okay? On a Sunday or a Wednesday, spot a circle of friends before or after church, and go hijack it. Just go up. Introduce yourself and have them introduce themselves to you. You can go up and say something like, hi, I'm your brother or sister that you've never met. Right? Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. But do, you can be the one to approach. You can enter that circle and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I've seen you every Sunday. I've never met you. What are your names? Beware of prideful favoritism. Don't favor one person or group over another in the church. Enter the church building with the intent of reaching out to others in the church. And finally, do what you can. Trust God for the rest. Verse 18, if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love that because it, it, it takes some pressure off of you. If possible, sometimes it's not. As much as it depends on you, that only reaches so far. Live at peace. 
And it continues on in the following verses to talk about never, never avenging yourselves, but leaving it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's he saying there? Instead of taking it into your own hands, live peaceably with all, as much as it depends on you, and don't try to take God's job for the rest. God's in control. That's all you need to worry about. It does, it does take two people to form a deep friendship. And maybe there's an individual in this church that you're seeking to show honor to, you're seeking to serve, you're seeking to meet their needs, and they're like a brick wall. And they're not responding, they're not interacting, they're not reciprocating. You don't need to worry about that. As much as it depends on you, if possible, live peaceably with all and leave the rest to God. But you can know as you follow Christ in the church and you function as a believer in the body that you are interacting with one another in a way that pleases and honors the Lord. And you are preferring others over yourself. So do you view others as family? Do you make it your mission to honor others? Do you serve alongside others in the church? Do you seek to meet the needs of others? Do you practice Christian sympathy? Do you watch out for prideful favoritism? Then let God take care of the rest. Now, I know that's a lot of information. There's a lot of points there. Pastors aren't allowed to have more than three points, and I gave you seven. But I hope it puts you in the right direction, at least. And remember, you can't expect to be friends with everyone. Every person in the church will have like their own small group of best friends. And that's okay. That's actually a good thing. If you, if you have one or two people in the church that you've grown a very deep bond with, and you guilt, feel guilty because you don't have that same bond with every other person in the church, you don't have to feel guilty about that. You can enjoy those deep friendships, but never to the, at the expense of cutting off and ignoring others in the church. We can strive to be a family to everyone. And as you pursue that pattern, and what pattern? The pattern of, of the church, so the, 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 the structure that God has set up that we are called to be within the body of Christ. As you pursue that, you just might develop good friendships that push you closer to Christ. So in closing, I just want to give you three, three tips, three ideas. Right? If you just want to say, okay, what's just some real simple things I can do to provide opportunity for me to put this into practice, okay? Real simple. Number one, talk to somebody new. Talk to somebody new, including that person you've seen every Sunday for the past five years but haven't talked to yet. Maybe even make it your mission. All right, this Sunday, each Sunday, I'm just going to talk to one person I haven't talked to yet. Each Sunday. Each Wednesday. I'm going to go to that, that senior saint that, that, that has been so faithful and I've never reached out to and talked to. I'm going to talk to that, that college student who's been in and out because of classes and all that and I haven't had the chance of really getting to know them. I'm going to talk to them and introduce myself to them. Talk to somebody new. All right, here's a second tip. Sit somewhere new. No, I'm not, I'm not, Swarovski's, I'm not pointing you out, I promise. I'm really not. I, I don't know what I would do without the Swarovski's right here. I would, I would feel off, all right? And again, so this is a tip. This is not a biblical command, all right? The Swarovski's going to pass. They can sit right there. They don't have to move, all right? Everyone else, find a new spot. <laughs> Here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip, all right? A lot of visitors sit on this side over here. 
okay? Because it's, it's, they enter through the doors, and they come right through here, and they sit down. And oftentimes, because they're a visitor, and they haven't been here a lot, and they don't know anybody, when the service is over, they get up, they walk out the door, and they leave, all right? What if you said, all right, not every Sunday, but this Sunday, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit over there and just see if I see any guests around my vicinity. <laughs> this Sunday, I'm, I'm, I hope that it's not like lopsided <laughs> and everyone's over here, all right? And, and this whole side is blank because then all the guests will shuffle over that way, all right? But just an idea. Look for intentional ways, especially those, right, that maybe the extent of their church involvement is coming in for the morning service, sitting down, and then sneaking out. Try to catch them. Try to catch them. And seek, seek to show love to them. Seek to show friendship to them. And then finally, attend something yeah. new. Now, scripturally, the only pattern that we have been given as a command as a New Testament church is the first day of the week, gathering on the Lord's Day to worship. We've, we have, because we like meeting together and we like fellowship with one another, we have different opportunities. It's an idea. If you haven't, maybe if you haven't gone to Wednesday night, or maybe you haven't gone to the 5 o'clock prayer hour, or the ladies' missionary fellowship, or the Sunday school hour, right? Maybe there's an element, a time when we do meet, some meet regularly, you just haven't tried yet. Maybe try it. Attend something new. Maybe in a smaller setting, you have the opportunity to interact with believers that you don't have the chance of interacting with on a typical Sunday morning for the morning service. So those are three ideas. Talk to somebody new, sit somewhere new, attend something new. And as you do, seek to follow the pattern of Romans 12. That even, even if you're struggling with loneliness, and again, that's so sad and so tragic when that happens, seek to take that step and say, Lord, I'm going to serve. I'm going to show honor. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to show hospitality in however way I can. And as much as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace. And when it doesn't depend on me and it's not possible, I'm going to leave that up to you. And as we all seek to do that, We'll grow in our unity, we'll grow in our fellowship.